This has been a good week. I hope it's been good for you. I hope that the presence of the Lord is with you day by day by day. Uh, I've come to the place where I've learned that I, I can't do anything without him. That he's the one that holds me up. He's my stability. So let's hang on to those things that we know that are true, that are part of our lives. Amen? We're going to talk about dedicated service, Romans chapter 12. This is an old portion of scripture that I've never preached on this message. I've never preached on Romans 12. I'm not sure why. But, uh, you know, you go, pastors go from one scripture to another over the years. But I was reading this and I thought, I need to share with you about what Paul is saying uh, here in the book of Romans, chapter 12. Okay? Let me read it to you. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may be able to prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, Paul's talking, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. We need to establish, first of all, who wrote the book. Do you know who wrote the book? Paul. He wrote this about A.D. 56, according to the theologians. And Paul, at this point in time, is in Rome. In fact, you, if you go on your own to Acts 28, you'll find that he's already in Rome. He's a prisoner. He has his own place. He has a guard. But Paul is writing this. And Paul had an experience in Acts chapter 9 with Jesus Christ on his way on the road to Damascus. And God stops him. Jesus hits him up the side of the head, as I like to say, blinds him. He has to be led into the city. Ananias is there. He's three days with Ananias, blind, not eating and fasting and praying. And God does miraculous things in the man who hated him. Paul goes from a Christ hater to a Christ lover. Like that. His life has changed because he had an experience, an encounter with Jesus Christ on that road to Damascus. And because of that majestic change, Paul is doing something here in the book of Romans. He, Paul is now asking us to serve the God that he once hated. I don't, do you understand that? Well, there's a question here. What's the question? Why? Why are you asking me to love the God that you hated for so long? I'll tell you why. Paul knows about God's mercy. 
we know about God's mercy? Are you thinking? We think, we ask questions, we deal with what's going on. Do we know about His mercy? Do we remember where we came from? Paul remembers where he came from. Paul remembers the change in his life. Paul remembers the incident that totally changed his nature. Do we remember where we came from? I don't want you to say yes. I don't want you to talk. I just want you to, do you remember what you were like before you met Jesus? He does. He remembers. And he shares this experience with us. Because it did something to him in such a magnificent way It changed him completely. And now his job, he feels, is to help you and I, Gary, to change. He sees what's going on in our lives because he went through it. And he's saying, I've got to tell the people uh, in Rome, I've got to tell them what caused the change in my life. Definitely it was the presence of the Lord. Can we share our experience with someone else? Have we gone through that experience where we now remember what we were like. We are grateful that we are no longer there. We are grateful that God has now brought us into a new era in our life. Do we, are we able to share with others what that experience was and why we are now over here rather than over there? This is what Paul is doing. He's opening up to the people in Rome and he's saying, I used to be, but I, I no longer am. So verse 1 says this. Present your bodies. He's urging, it says, he's urging you. By the mercies of God, present your body. Present yourself, present all of you. He's urging us. Why is he urging us to present ourselves to God? Because when you fight with God, you lose. And he already has experienced that. He doesn't want you to lose, Gary. He doesn't want me to lose. He wants us to succeed in life. And he knows to succeed in life the way he is succeeding in life. Something has to change. So he's saying to you, he's saying to me, present yourself. Present your body. Present all of you. Don't fight with God anymore. Hello. I don't even want to ask the question, do I? You don't even want me to ask the question, do you? Don't fight with God. Become this living sacrifice, this this holy sacrifice. See, God has had enough dead sacrifices. You know what happens in the Old Testament. The bloody animals that come are brought to the priests. See, Gary's a priest in the Old Testament. How many knew that? Let me see your hand. Gary's a priest in the Old Testament. Yeah, okay. And Gary's job... If you go back and check, you'll find that priests had a specific job. There were a lot of priests in the priesthood. And one of the jobs was to kill the animals. Guess what Gary's job was? And all day long, we sinners would bring animals to Gary and say, Gary, this is what I did wrong. And God says, I've got to do this, I've got to do that. Here's my little a lamb, here's what, whatever the blood sacrifice required, and I have to give it to Gary. And Gary has to kill that animal and bloody himself all over the place just because you and I sinned. 
Gary would come home, and Vinette would meet him at the door and said, How was your day today, Gary? He said, Ah, it was bloody mess. Blood all over. That stopped with Jesus. We need to understand the strength of that. That stopped with him. Jesus shed his blood once for all. God, Paul recognizes that kind of mercy. Paul recognizes that God could have killed him on the road to Damascus for what he was doing. Because Paul, in his Old Testament theology, and he was an expert Paul was one of the most intelligent men we have in the Bible. He was an expert on Old Testament theology. And he says, no, I don't believe in this Jesus Christ who says he's the Son of God. And I don't believe that Jesus Christ died and then was resurrected. And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. No, no, I'm still an Old Testament dude. And so we still have to kill animals. We still have to go to Gary under Paul's law and say, here's another animal. Here's another lamb. I did another thing wrong. And suddenly... God interrupts his life and he realizes God's not looking for bloody sacrifices anymore because Jesus made it for all. Everything that you and I have done wrong, Jesus took care of it on the cross. All my sins are gone. Not most of them. All of them. Well, Paul's saying, I need you to take advantage of God's mercy. Present yourself. Spiritual service of worship. You've been seeing and you've been hearing about the revivals that are going on in the colleges now. Okay? Uh, I just discovered, I guess it was last night, checking on YouTube and all that. There are over 20 colleges now in the United States, over 20 that are experiencing this wave of revival, this just, and they're just worshiping. There's no guest speaker. There's no famous speaker there. There's no famous musician coming up saying, let me. No, they're just coming, and they're coming to the altar, and they're praying, and they're repenting. It has now spread to Uganda. In the last report I got, it started in Australia. Present yourself. You know what those young people are doing? They're coming to the altar. They're saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. And God is forgiving them, and they're staying and worshiping and praying, praying one for another, loving one another, coming back to the altar, going out and getting something to eat, coming back. And they're there all day, they're there all night. And Paul is saying, I understand the forgiveness aspect. I understand the blessings of what God can do in a life. And these young people, today, these young people are starting to understand what it means to come to the Lord and say, you know what? I need your help. You don't have to bring a big list of sins. He already knows. Just come and say, God, will you help me? Well, verse 2. What happens when you surrender to God? Verse 2 says, don't be conformed to this world. See, we're living in this world. No matter what we say, no matter what we do, We live in this world. And he is saying to you, he is saying to me, don't be conformed to this world. Well, if I'm not going to be conformed to this world, I must do something else. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. If I'm not going to conform to this world, I need to conform to God's world. And God's world is the world of salvation. Do you know 
that salvation is your choice, not God's? Did you know that? Some of you are looking at me like, who is this guy? This old man, this old, short, dark, ruggedly handsome Italian preacher, right? Okay. okay. Who is this old man? Does anybody here know John 3.16? You had to learn it by heart, didn't you? For God so loved the world, we got the love part, that he gave his only begotten son, we got the gift part, that whosoever, what, 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 whosoever, whosoever, oh, that's your job. That's not God's job. That's your choice. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Salvation is your choice. Salvation is offered by God, but it is your choice to accept or reject it. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is. That which is good, acceptable, and perfect. How many remember the, I think it was an old clothing company, wasn't it? Called the Gap. Anybody remember that? G-A-P. Good, acceptable, and perfect. Right there. God's got Gap in the Bible. You've got to learn to read your Bible. The other world is God, is what God is offering us. We know what the old world is like. We, we, know what, we know the mess we were in, okay? We don't have to go back there. We know what we were like before salvation. Now, the renewed mind, okay, renewing of your mind, the renewed mind, the spirit in us, the result is we prove that God is God. How many times have you wondered, oh, see, is God really God? Uh, I've been struggling with this. I've been struggling with that. I don't know, Jason. Maybe he's not really God. Uh, let me think about it for a while. When you renew your mind and you focus on what God can do, then you prove that God is God. And when you wake up each morning and you know that the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit is in you, you know that God is God. And when you go off to work, whatever you do, and you have to go through the day, and you have to go through all the episodes of the day of what you do, you know that God is God. And you begin to learn that God is who He says He is. You begin to learn about the will of God, that which is good. His will is good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. I didn't say we're perfect. I look around the room and uh, I'm, I'm looking for perfection. I'm struggling. I, I, I guess the new glasses and they're new. I'm, I, I can't find perfection. What's wrong with you guys? Nobody's perfect. But his will for our lives is perfect. And we need to understand it. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22, 23, 24. We're talking about this stuff. And Paul, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians. By the way, Paul wrote one-third of the New Testament. Did you know that? One man, okay? In, this, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. That's what he's saying in Romans, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, okay? And that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth, and put on, oh, I read that. Okay, both of, them, both of them are up there. So when I change over, when I take on this new mind, when, when, when I allow the Holy Spirit 
to touch me. When I prove what the will of God, that it's good and acceptable and it's perfect, I have a new self. I am a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, old things pass away, everything becomes new. That's the God I serve, folk. Is that the God you serve? I'm not perfect, but God's will is. God's will for your life, Nick, is perfect. Perfect. Absolutely. When we see that, when we take God at his word, I don't care how old you are, I don't care what you're going through, when you take God at his word and you recognize that the will of God for your life, you just jump, just, just stick with you. When you recognize the will of God for your life is perfect, then you will respond to his call. You will respond to his love. You'll respond to his touch. That's what Paul did. That's what happened to Paul. He responded to God. Verse 3, back at the beginning. See, Paul is he's very adept at what goes on. He's saying, watch your attitude, verse 3. For through the grace given to you, let me say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have a sound judgment as God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith. Watch your attitude. No pedestals. God doesn't allow pedestals. I need to know what God has called me to do. I need to know the opinions of others may be just as important as my opinions. I need to blend with my brothers and with my sisters so that we are on the same page, on the same road, going in the same direction. Okay. Where, where is God when we've got these crazy attitudes? Paul had an attitude, and it was just knocked out of him by Jesus on the road to Damascus. You like your attitude? Are you looking for that kind of experience with God to get knocked up the side of the head, blinded? Watch your attitude. God can use you. God can use me. God can use us. But we need sound judgment. The Bible says that God has given each of us a measure of faith. What if we pool that? What if we take your measure of faith and we add it to all our measures of faith and we pool it all together? What can we accomplish if we come together as a body since God has allowed each of us a measure of faith? What can we do? What can we accomplish if we just come together as a family? One of the things that you know and I keep going back to is when I first started here three years ago almost, I was big on family. Do you remember that? Family is important. Church family is important. You stand together as a family. You hold each other up as a family. You stand behind them. You keep their back. Protect them. Family. We're more than one. Many members. Verses 4 and 5. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. There are a whole bunch of us here. We have different gifts. We have different talents. And we need those. So we are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Different gifts, 
different talents. Do you know what your talent is? I mean that seriously. I'm not talking about whether you play an instrument. I'm talking about you. Do you know what the talent is that God has given you? And are you using it for the Lord? Many members, one body, family, different gifts, different talents. What is your gift? What is your function? See, once I realize that I need your gift to function, I'm going to come in harmony with you. Once you realize that you need my gift to function, you will become in harmony with me. Once we realize as a church family what Paul is saying here, that we are all, we're different, but we're all together, we're one body, we're one family. Once we realize that and we begin to live that way, then we'll trust each other with the gifts that God has given us. We'll pool them together and we'll do something for God. We'll do something that will be successful and people will see that Jesus Christ is alive in our hearts if we pool together our talents. How would you like to open up a business? You're a businessman, so you've done this, okay? And you need about 12 employees. So I come and you offer me a job and Jason comes and you offer him a job and a whole bunch of... And and you say, now, we're going to do this, 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 and this, and this. And I say, you know what? I think I'll do this, 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 and this instead. Well, that's not what he hired me for. There's no unity with that. We're not pooling our efforts together. We're pulling apart. So there has to be that unity. There has to be the fact that we will submit one to another even though we have the talents, I have the talent that you need, but I've got to submit that talent because your business has to succeed. The business of the church has to succeed, and it will if we come together because we need each other. We need each other. I don't know that you know this, and you can go yourself and check it out on Google. I have a left hand and I have a right hand, thank God. Okay? I have two legs, thank God. I have my eyes, I have my ears, I'm, I'm blessed. How many of you here are right-handed? Okay, so you throw with your right hand, correct? Do you catch with your right hand? Hello? You catch with your left hand. Did you know that? Did that ever strike you? There's a picture. Baseball, professional pitcher. His name is Jim Abbott. Anybody hear of him? Okay, just a couple of you. Jim Abbott does not have a right hand. He has an arm. The stump is here. He bats left-handed, and he throws left-handed, and he holds his glove under his arm like this. Now, how would you like to be a pitcher, Jason? And you, you wind up and you're throwing the ball. Now you've got to grab the glove because this hand won't work as a catcher and put the glove on in case it comes back at you. Would you say that might be a little bit of a handicap? I, for some reason, I, I keep thinking back, there was another baseball player who was one-handed and he had to catch the ball, drop the ball, pick up the ball, and then throw it. 
God has put us together, many members, for a reason. I need both hands to function properly. How would you like to have a doctor operate on you and he only has one hand? Hmm? God is saying, you can't operate on your community spiritually and not have all the members together working with you. Am I making any sense here? I need both hands. I used to box when I was a kid. Young kid, 12, 13 years old. I was then tall, dark, and handsome. Sometimes I'm short. I don't, I don't know what happened. I, I liked it with gloves, you know. And the, these two guys, they decided that they were going to take me on. Not, not both of them fight. One was the manager of the other kid. One kid was managing the other kid. We had gloves on the whole bit, and we're boxing away. And I, I hit that kid, and he went down. He didn't like that. If you're right-handed and you're boxing, where's the right hand? It's close to your body. Your left hand is out here, blocking the incoming blows. And when you have the opening, you blow with the right hand. They didn't like the fact that I knocked that kid out, so they set up another little boxing match with me and the two of them. Just one boxing, he was the manager, the other kid. And I remember we're in, we're in the kid's garage, and we each have a stool, and I'm sitting on the stool here, and the other kid's sitting on the stool over there. I've got gloves on. The other kid's got gloves. And the manager's timing us, like, like we would be in a round, two minutes, whatever it was. And we get up, and we box around, box around. And the kid was getting nowhere. I was doing okay, but he was getting nowhere. He was taller than me. Everybody's taller than me. Thank you for not saying amen. Thank you, Dean. Thank you. Just thank you very much, brother. And we, we were during, we had finished one round, and we both went down and sat down on our little benches. And I saw the other kid that's managing go over to the kid, and he was whispering in his ear, Jason. He didn't want me to hear a word he was saying, whispering in his ear. And I knew something was going up. I don't know whether the Lord told me, but I knew they were, they were, they were just doing something. They wanted to get at me real quick. I'm sitting there thinking, what are they about to do? And the kid is about to ring the bell, and I knew. Just hit me. It just hit me. He rang the bell, and the kid got up and ran at me to knock me over, and I just got out of the way, and he went, Choo. We need each other. We need the contact of each other. I need your talents. And whatever talents I have, they're yours. Because God has brought us together to succeed in winning souls. I can't do it by myself. Hello? The revival that's going on, there's no great preachers there. There's no great musicians there. It's young people saying, I need God. I need God. I don't care about school. I need God. Okay? So when we love each other, when we hold each other up, we become successful. And if we do that, then the community sees spiritual success, and we want the same. We want this community. When the community looks at local churches in this area, what do they see? We had a young lady in here this morning who was visiting for the first time. She probably will be back. I talked with her in the office. Been looking around for a church. 
What do people see when they look in this community for a church? What do they see when they look at New Hope? Do they see love? Do they see compassion one for another? Are we holding each other up? We got each other's back? Are we telling each other that we, lo- we love you? I tease this man all the time, but he knows I love him. He knows it. I would have to stop. If he didn't know that, I'd have to stop. He knows I love him. Do we know that we love each other? Do we understand the power? Paul goes on, and I'm not going to read the verses. They're verses 16 through 18. You read them at your leisure in chapter 12. But let me tell you what's in these verses 16 through 18. These are the various gifts that Paul talks about that the church needs to be aware of. So I'm just going to give you the gifts, and you go back there and you read them. There are 25 in these verses. Number one, gifts, prophecy, service, teaching, exhorting, giving, giving liberally, he said. You got your hand in your wallet, pocket, and there's a need, and you're the kind of guy that, well, what do you need? And boom, and God blesses because you're liberal in your giving. Leadership is another gift. Showing mercy, is that a gift? Yeah. Showing mercy, showing love, clinging to what is good, devotion, giving honor where honor is due, running from evil, stay away from the garbage. You know it's out there, I know it's out there. Don't lag behind. Don't say, come on, come on. Don't lag behind there, he's saying. Be fervent in your spirit, rejoice, persevere, be dedicated to prayer, be hospitable. Bless your enemies. I don't know if I like that one. Bless your enemies. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of same mind, which means we're in unity. Don't brag. Nobody here does that. Never pay back evil for evil. And number 25, if possible, live in peace with all men. That's found in verses 6 through 18 of chapter 12. Read it. Take the time to digest it. Take the time to let it come into your life and say, where do I fit? Is the scripture talking to me? What's God saying? You can live this way if you present yourself to God. If you give yourself to God, you can do what God suggests that we should do. I need to close. I have a question, serious question. Do you want your old self back? I'll bet you no one's ever asked you that question. You want anything to do with your old self? God will never force us to take back our old sinful nature. He doesn't do that. He doesn't say, well, I don't know. I don't know whether I like you or not. He doesn't do that. I think I'll give you back all the garbage of your life. He doesn't do that. See, you give yourself to God. He takes you. He accepts you. And because He accepts you, we are clean because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Why would I want the old garbage back? If I take the old garbage and the old nature, I can take it back. It's called backsliding. It's called walking away from God. But I have to choose that. 
God never throws that at you. God never insists that he's going to give you back your old nature because he just doesn't like you anymore. Okay? New hope. That's us. We need to present ourselves. We need to give ourselves to God. I don't know what that means because we're all different. We all do things differently. We all have different gifts. So figure out what your gift is, what you're good at, and then say, God, it's yours. It's yours. And then use me in that gift so that we as a church family, we as new hope, we know that God accepts us. We know that God keeps us. We know that God's going to keep his blessing on us. And we know that the God connection that we have will bring people connection. Isn't that what we're looking for? Are you happy that the building is not full? I'm not happy. We're getting there. It's coming. But it's coming because we have talents. It's coming because we want to work together. It's coming because we're combining our talents. It's coming because we're holding each other up. It's coming because we want the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in this community. Well, that revival that you're hearing about is now at 20 colleges. It's spreading. Do you think that the devil's going to stop that? No, I don't think so. Do we want this revival only at the colleges? Oh, we're out of luck. We're not a college. I guess God doesn't want to move here. Are you kidding me? There are people in this valley who need Jesus Christ as their Savior. Just like you needed him, just like I needed him. And if we will give ourselves, like Paul says, present yourself, present yourself. If we'll give ourselves to the Lord, God will begin to move right here at New Hope. How powerful are we when we're united? Verse 1 and 2. How powerful are we? We become a family. We become ones who hold each other up. Verse 1 and 2 of 12, if you have it, as I close. He wants us to present, so he's urging. He's urging. I I need you to feel the urgency of what this message is all about. I urge you. Please, he's saying, please, brethren, please, give yourselves. Give yourselves to God. A living and holy sacrifice. God will accept it. He'll. It, do, those words are terrible. Terrible important. God, when you can get God to accept something, might I suggest that's powerful? Present your bodies, living, holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. You love him? Is he good? Has he given you a talent? Yes, he has. Can we pool those talents? I don't know what they are, but... We'll find out as we come together as a family. We'll rub each other's shoulders. Oh, I didn't, Jason, I didn't know you could do that. Well, you you never asked me, preacher. We'll find out. And the, the more we find out, the sooner we find out, the stronger we grow. 
And the stronger we grow, the more we have evidence in the community that God is at New Hope. He's here. And this community needs, I don't know what the other churches are like, I'm not here to pick on them. Please. I just know from experience, there needs to be a church whose doors are wide open. I'm looking for the Sunday that my, wife, my son and I drive out here and we can't get in the parking lot. We're going to have to have a police escort to get in the door. Because there are people jammed in here and people outside. You're crazy, Greco. Yes, I am. We agree on that. But I'm crazy because I believe in God. I believe God can do miracles in your life personally and in the life of this church and in the life of this community. Do you believe that? Say amen. Father, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that you want us to present ourselves to you. I'm thankful, thankful that you're waiting, you're anticipating our total surrender to you so that you may fill us with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit to the degree that we radiate the love of God to whoever we're with, to whomever we touch. This is what we need, God. We need you in our lives. We need you in our hearts. Keep your heads bowed for a moment. Eyes closed. I don't know everybody here. I'm in and out, so I'm a long-distance pastor. But if you don't know the Lord as your Savior, you know know what's going on in your life. I, I don't have to hit you over the head. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you want him this morning, this morning, you're saying, I'm going to give myself to Jesus right Finally, I'm going to do it. Pastor, I want you to pray with me. Just raise your hand. I'll see your hand. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? You don't know Jesus as your Savior. You don't know him at all. Anyone at all? Okay. No hands are raised for that that I see. Lord, I want to be your servant. I want people to see Jesus in me. I want to worship you from the bottom of my heart. Help me to do that. I pray that each day, Father God, you will touch me to the point where I look for you and find you. To the point where I give you the need that I have and you supply that need, whatever it may be. And I pray for every person in this room, every person that's connected with this church, that you will anoint us in such a manner that the people we touch on a daily basis throughout the week will see the reality of Jesus Christ in our lives. And they'll ask us, what's different with you? And we'll simply say, Jesus loves me. Jesus will love you if you let him. That will be the only message they need to hear. and They will come to find Christ as their Savior. That's our job, to prove the will of God, which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Help us to do that. We ask you this. We glorify your name. For we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. I'm going to stay here for a few moments. I know that the food is ready. And we ask God's blessing on the food and the wonderful people that have prepared it. But I'm going to stay here at the altar while you do whatever you need to do. And if I need to pray for you privately, please let me do that. Amen. Father, bless this food. Bless these good people because it's unity that we see bringing this church together. Bless them, I pray. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy the food and the fellowship, please. I'm staying here. If I need to talk to you, please come on up. Thank you.